Welcome to Hustle & Faith. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics regarding Christianity, health and wellness, beauty, and so much more. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. This is episode 85, part three in our four-part series, What is the Extraordinary Life? So be sure to check out the previous episodes and the journal that I created that inspired this series called Prayer and Gratitude Journal for Women of Faith, a three-month guide to prayer and gratitude, and also Prayer and Gratitude Journal for Men of Faith, a three-month guide to prayer and gratitude. Both are available for sale on Amazon. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the remaining attributes that we must embody in order to position ourselves to live an extraordinary life. We've got a lot to cover in this episode as well, so let's jump right in. Faith. Since many of us are conditioned to see before we believe, this wrong mindset has made faith one of the hardest attributes to activate. Due to our lack of faith, many of us never get to experience all the blessings that God has in store for us. Reason being, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11.6 Faith means that we are to never let our feelings or emotions control what we believe. Always wanting to see before we believe means that we cannot successfully live the Christian life. If we are waiting to see something before we obey God, then we will never receive all the blessings that God is willing to give us because God doesn't help until after we put our faith into action. Furthermore, having to see something before we act in faith is called walking by sight, okay? And God commanded us to walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Those of us that are walking by sight usually allow our emotions to control our outlook on life. And if we are truly walking by faith, we will not allow our distorted feelings to control our thought life and hinder our actions. Allowing our distorted feelings and emotions to lead our life destroys our faith, all of which derails our relationship with Christ. Gentleness. Possessing gentleness means that we learn how to be considerate. We treat others the way that you would want to be treated, Matthew 7, 12 through 14. We're patient and understanding of others' needs. In other words, Seek to understand where others are coming from instead of always seeking to be understood. In order to be gentle, we must conquer the concept that not everything is about me, myself, and I. Now, let's be clear. Being gentle does not mean that you become a fool and a doormat for Satan's workers. We are to never allow others to abuse or misuse us. This includes friends and family members. Gentleness means that we have a balance. We know how to discern people and their motives. We know how to rebuke and when to encourage the behavior of others. Christ is an excellent example of a person who constantly used gentleness towards others, but he was not afraid of rebuking those who needed to be put in their place. Gentleness is about balance, which is wisdom and patience working closely together. Forgiveness. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, many, many, many people take Luke 17, 3 through 4 out of context. We should never forgive someone until they ask for forgiveness. 
In order to be forgiven of our sins, regardless of what they are, we must repent. And that's in Judges 16, 25 through 28. In other words, the offender must apologize first, again, asking for forgiveness, before he or she is forgiven. This rule, repentance before forgiveness, holds true within the spiritual realm, which is between God and man, as well as the physical realm. And again, you can read about some of this in Luke 13, 3 and Matthew 18, 15 through 35. God is not the author of confusion. He created law and order for everything, even something as simple as forgiveness. This same rule, repentance before forgiveness, holds true for sinners who wish to become a member of God's royal priesthood, as well as those that have offended us. This is why Christ said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In other words, we will not be forgiven, whether it's spiritual or physical, until we apologize, again, asking for forgiveness. Now, based on the aforementioned, those that are blameless in this situation, you know, those are those folks that had the wrongdoing um, that occurred to them, should not automatically forgive the wrongdoer. The reason God's law requires one to repent, again, asking for forgiveness, before he or she is forgiven, is because his law works as a two-edged sword. God's law requires repentance before forgiveness because it teaches everyone involved, again, the wrongdoer and the also known as the offender, as well as the innocent person. The innocent person will learn patience by obeying God's rule by waiting until the wrongdoer or offender asks for forgiveness. So when the wrongdoer asks for forgiveness, they're acknowledging the error of their ways, which indicates that they will make a conscientious effort to no longer repeat the offending behavior. Waiting until an apology occurs teaches everyone a lesson. Self-control. Now I know you heard the cliche, not everything that glitters is gold. Although this is simply a cliche, it has a lot of merit. We need to especially keep self-control in mind when it comes to making decisions. Satan has decorated a lot of landmines to look desirable and harmless, when in reality, what we see is not all that there is to be seen, which is why the cliche, not everything that glitters is gold, has merit. Self-control prompts us to stop and think. It keeps us from making rash, de- rash decisions that can later be caused to, you know, that can later cause us to be hurt or destroyed by Satan's landmines. Now, a person with self-control is going to behave more like David. David was constantly seeking God's advice before he made his move. If we do the same, this will keep us from being blown away by one of Satan's landmines. Self-control is needed, especially when it comes to our desires. There's nothing wrong with having desires, but we need to exercise self-control so that we can keep these desires aligned with the word of God. When we don't exercise self-control over our desires, we're going to sin. We will place too much importance on obtaining these desires and accomplishments, all of which will push our source, also known as God, to the background instead of in front for our protection. So when we don't let God lead us, we're going to be destroyed by Satan's landmines. This is what happened to Esau. Esau over-exaggerated his situation and sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup. He allowed his desire, in this case hunger, to cloud his judgment. 
If Esau would have exercised self-control, he would never have given up the blessings that came with being the firstborn child. Without self-control, we will fail to see the big picture of life. Wisdom. We will face situations in life that will not make sense. Okay? Life is filled with catch-22s. They will leave us feeling angry and frustrated, especially if we're doing our best to stay aligned with God's will. In a situation like this, we should go to God and ask him for the wisdom of Christ, and God will grant our request. Again, the only way we can get out of the situations is by accessing Christ's wisdom. Being able to access Christ's wisdom is why we need to build up our relationship with Christ. We do this daily by reading and meditating on God's word. Through this process, we can obtain and maintain our relationship with Christ. Having the wisdom to discern between good and evil is going to give us the peace and prosperity that we desire. Wisdom leads us to the right path. Wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, and you'll be able to see these attribute, this attribute in our deeds. Which is why Christ said, wisdom is proved by her deeds. Wisdom is proved right by her deeds. The reason the Bible teaches us that wisdom is more precious than rubies is because this attribute never works alone. Once you get wisdom, she will help ensure that the other attributes we attain will allow us to become like Christ. Courage. Oftentimes, being a Christian will require you to stand alone. If we keep in mind that we are only physically alone and not really standing by yourself, will give you the courage to win whatever battle Satan sends your way. And that's John 16, 32. Relying on the concept that God is with us will help us to obey God's command to be strong and of good courage. Since God is a loving father who will never leave us nor forsake us, we have no reason to be fearful or afraid of Satan and his demons or their human workers. And that's Deuteronomy 31, 6. Focusing on the fact that God is with us in John 16, 32, will have us to be just like Christ, who didn't have a problem confronting his enemies while physically standing alone. Christ didn't have an issue standing alone because he knew that he was really not alone. Christ knew that God was with him in John 16, 32. And if we truly believe God the way that Christ did, we will be bold like Christ and confront our situations face to face, Proverbs 28, 1. We can obtain this type of courage by daily reading and meditating on the Word of God. In order to have the courage of Christ, we must develop the same type of relationship that Christ has with God. It is Christ's relationship with God that gave him the Christ that gave Christ the strength and courage he needed to conquer whatever battle Satan sent his way. By reading and meditating on the Word of God, we can have the exact same courage as Christ. Now, having courage like Christ will give us the confidence we need to defend and share God's Word. Like Christ, we will be able to show, to show our courage in a variety of ways. In some cases, Christ even physically fought Satan and his workers. Now, if you recall on one occasion, Christ forcefully removed a group of demonic workers that had turned the temple of God into a den of thieves. These demonic workers were using the house of the Lord for everything but worship. They were gambling and selling things in the temple. Another way Christ demonstrated courage was when he allowed his silence to do the talking for him. Instead of answering the scribes and Pharisees' questions, Jesus ignored their nonsense altogether and drew on the ground, pretending like he didn't hear them. 
And that's John 8, 8. The mere fact that Christ was able to stay cool, calm, and collected when surrounded by an angry mob showed great courage. Those demonic workers tried all sorts of ways to trick Christ into sinning. In this case, John 8, 1 through 12, the scribes and Pharisees caught a woman in the act of adultery. They brought her to the temple under the premise that they were trying to keep God's law. Christ, being omniscient, knew their real intention was to use this as a situation to trick him into making the wrong decision. And as I stated before, Christ demonstrated his courage through a variety of ways. Knowing when and not to speak takes an equal amount of courage. All right, guys, so we finally made it through all of Christ's attributes. In our next episode, we're going to conclude the series, What is the Extraordinary Life? by discussing ways and how we can go about implementing these attributes into our daily lives. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to download the free goal-setting planner and grateful notes on the website. If you enjoy Hustle and Fate's content, please consider becoming a supporter by donating to help offset the cost of producing this show. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Pinterest. And remember, if you're everything to everyone, you risk being no one. You never know who you may inspire. See you in the next episode.